Welcome to the November edition of The State of Cannabis. I'm Ed Melnick. And I'm Amy Paradotta. The State of Cannabis is aired on the fourth Friday of every month at 5.30 p.m. We hope to provide listeners with relevant and interesting information on the subject of cannabis in Oregon and around the country. Amy? Thanks, Ed. Tonight we have our regular Leland Berger segment updating us on what happened around the country and the election outcomes. We have Dr. Lee. He's here to speak about medical marijuana use in his clinic, Green Earth Medicine. We have Ashley Priest-Sackett, co-owner and lead horticultural scientist of Cascadia Labs. She's here to speak to us today about the Ethical Cannabis Alliance. Trista Okel from Empower Body Care talks about the new rules and higher lab test costs that are affecting many small companies here in Oregon. We also have Damian Payne. He turns us on to Fire Sale, his new web app that's for finding good prices on weed. Ed, as usual, let's start with Leland Berger. Thanks, Amy. Leland Berger is an attorney with the Cannabis Business Compliance Council, and he chairs the Portland Normal Legislative Committee. Well, here we are again, Leland. Uh, last month, uh, you, you went through some of the initiatives that were happening around the country in legalizing either adult use or medical marijuana. Uh, now that the election's over, where do we stand? Well, what's remarkable, it is that, you know, we had nine initiatives, five, uh, five legalization initiatives and four medical initiatives, and eight of them passed, and we still elected Trump. <laughs> the um, adult use initiatives uh, that passed were, first of all, in California, the sixth largest economy in the world, um, Massachusetts, Maine, and Nevada. We were unsuccessful, unfortunately, in Arizona, which is still a medical state. And we won in um, Florida, Arkansas, North Dakota, of all places. For, for medical. For medical. And, um, yeah, Florida, Arkansas, North Dakota are all medical. And then in Montana, they had medical. They created a system. The system was repealed. And so now there's a new distribution system that we expect to go online next summer. So there'll be a good distribution system. And for pa So patients will have safe access in Montana. So it was was all the way around a, a great win, but it, there's a lot of uncertainty generally about uh, Donald Trump as president, um, and there's certainly that certainly applies to, to cannabis policy. I mean, he said during the campaign that he thought it was really a matter best left up to the states. He thought, he said during the campaign that he... Um, understood about the medical value, but had some questions about whether allowing it recreationally was a really good idea. Um, the um, There was concern with uh, the possibility that Rudy Giuliani or Chris Christie would be attorney general. What would happen to the, the Cole memo uh, yesterday? Well, yesterday from when we're recording on the 14th of November, Giuliani said he's not going to be the AG and it doesn't look like um, Christie is either, but my view is that um, more important than the Cole Memorandum, which advises prosecutors to not, in federal prosecutors to not enforce the Federal Controlled Substances Act um, in states uh, that have medical or adult use laws that uh, address the federal priorities and are robustly enforced. I think the real protection comes from the Rohrbacher-Farr Amendment to the continuing resolution omnibus uh, funding law, which has been renewed each time it's come up since December of 2014, which says that in the medical marijuana states, 
um, the, uh, um, the, there's no funding to enforce the Federal Controlled Substances Act as against people who are in compliance with, um, with, the, with laws that implement the Medical Act. And at least in Oregon and Colorado and Washington, where we've melded the medical and, and adult use markets, there's a strong argument that the, uh, all of our um, all of our laws and rules that implement the adult use system also implement the medical system and fall within the Rohrbacher-Farr Amendment. As always, the Legislative Committee meets on the first Monday of the month. In December, it'll be Monday the 5th. And we meet at Leah's Place at 5427 Southeast 72nd. It's just a block or two south from Southeast Foster at 8 o'clock, Monday the 5th. Hope to see you there. All right. Well, uh, we're out of time on that, but... uh... Thanks again, and we'll uh, we'll check back next month. Good. Thank you, Ed. Well, I've got Dr. Christian Lay, founder and medical director of Green Earth Medicine. Welcome, doctor. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So uh, you are, your, your specialty is working with marijuana as a medical treatment? That's correct. That's correct. Uh, cannabis is a well-known as a medicine for 10,000 years at least, and we are rediscovering it, really. And uh, this is my area of specialty and focus now, is working with cannabinoids and terpenes in the cannabis plant as a medicine. So what kind of things do you treat? I treat a huge amount of conditions, really the top 20 to 30 conditions in the United States, uh, if not in any other country. Uh, cancers, mood disorders, seizure disorders, uh, neurologic disorders such as uh, MS, ALS. Um, you know, pain obviously is b- one of the biggest problems in America. Sleep, poor poor sleep. Uh, these are the most commonly prescribed conditions in this country, and the toxic effect of pharmaceutical use uh, to control these conditions is a big problem in America right now, such as the opioid epidemic that we've all heard about. Uh, it was clear to me, uh, as I began this work about five years ago, that besides having direct experience with treating patients with a variety of cannabis strains, what I wanted to understand was within these strains, there were various levels of cannabinoid and terpene compounds. And I wanted to understand why certain strains worked better for certain medical conditions. Why did one strain work really well for cancers and other strains did not? There's over 11,000 genetic types of cannabis in the world. And for us to begin to understand how they work, we need to start studying the particular compounds and levels of these compounds in the cannabis plant. And this is why... I formed an association with a lab down in Southern Oregon called Rogue Naturals. Uh, This is a uh, private uh, analytical laboratory where we do specialized extractions and isolations of cannabinoid compounds and terpene compounds to understand how they work. The whole uh, subject of terpenes is just incredible, and I've just become aware of it recently. Could you talk a little bit about that? Uh, Terpenes have, by human experience, been used as a medicine for thousands of years. Uh, We know that when you smell lavender, 
you can measure drops in people's blood pressure and stress levels. Uh, we classically know that lavender is this, you know, is a bath salt or is a fragrance or is a, a aroma candle that it produces relaxation in the, the massage room, for example. Um, there are many types of terpenes, and they all have significant clinical benefits. And we're seeing this in cannabis that certain types of terpenes with the right combination of cannabinoids can produce things such as cancer-fighting properties, seizure-relieving properties, pain-relieving properties. So the terpenes, along with the cannabinoids, are working in tandem, what we call the entourage effect, uh, is a team of compounds that uh, provide certain clinical benefits. For many decades, uh, farmers have been uh, growing and breeding cannabis to have particular types of cannabinoid levels, right? Whether it's a certain percentage of THC or CBD or CBC or certain percentages of terpenes. Where we are taking this is we'll grow in our test plants any combination of those. We take them into the lab, we extract the compounds, and then we isolate each individual one. And therefore, we can then remix those into any combination that we want to achieve whatever levels of terpenes or cannabinoids we want. And this is really, I think, the future of cannabinoid science, is how to recombine isolates of the cannabis compounds into the ideal formula that treats, let's say, cancer. And remember, it's not just, cancer isn't just one thing. There are blood-borne cancers, there are solid cancers, there are stromal cancers, there are many types, and so they each react differently to cannabinoids. Maybe we can put the drug companies out of business. <laughs> you know, if you looked at the hundreds of millions of dollars that the drug industry has spent lobbying against legalization of medical cannabis for decades, you can make that interpretation. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, the, the whole idea of curing cancer is, of course, got to interest a lot of people. Um, are there, do you already know that this very specific type of THC or or cannabis will will be good for this type of cancer? Yes. Uh, in our anecdotal uh, observational studies of cancer patients using cannabis, we do know now that there are certain types of cannabinoid profiles that fights cancers very well. And, you know, we're not allowed to do clinical human studies in the United States. The federal government prohibits actual human studies with cannabis. Meaning if I decide that a certain type of strain of cannabis might help somebody's breast cancer, I'm not allowed to specifically study that under the law of the federal government. Uh, we're blocked from doing hum human clinical studies. However, we are allowed to receive patients who are taking cannabis and monitoring them and their diseases over time. That's called an observational study, and we are engaged in doing observational studies and clearly, over the thousands of patients I've treated for cancers over the years, the outcomes and results have been miraculous. Fantastic. The reason I left my prior very successful career as a board-certified internal medicine specialist and an ICU doctor is because I saw cancer cases that should not have been cured with even the most aggressive conventional therapies. And I saw people survive cancers they should not have survived just solely with the use of cannabis. I would like to talk about CBD. CBD is a very, very popular 
medical cannabis topic. Um, this is a element that's in cannabis plants. Correct. The CBD stands for cannabidiol. It's one of the compounds of cannabis. THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, is the other compound that we know well. Mm -hmm. It's the compound that produces the high that recreational users are chasing after. Um, but cannabidiol is extremely popular. It's a compound that does not make, doesn't cause a high, what we call a psychoactive effect. Um, it's been talked about in the news. Dr. Sanjay Gupta did some documentaries about a girl with seizures in Colorado um, and ascribed the, the benefits of CBD. We know that CBD has been proven in laboratory studies with mice that it has cancer-fighting properties. Um, it has anti-inflammatory properties. It lowers blood sugars in diabetics and many, many other clinical benefits. CBD, interestingly, when it's extracted from the hemp plant, uh, is actually a legal compound that you can purchase in grocery stores. You can buy it on the Internet. Um, however, there's a lot of misunderstanding about hemp CBD. Uh, hemp CBD, by its definition, contains the oil that's derived from hemp contains less than 0.3% THC, which is why it's legally permitted to be sold and transported across state lines and countries. One of my really great concerns about CBD and how popular CBD products are is the cannabis industry and the public is not aware right now that 80% of the world's hemp CBD supply is coming from two countries, China and the Czech Republic. Um, one of my... And, and we are talking about hemp in contrast to cannabis. Correct. Or marijuana. Correct. Uh, when CBD first was published uh, or publicized a couple of years ago, we were talking initially about CBD f derived from the cannabis plant, from the marijuana plant. And what's being sold in great amounts out there right now is actually hemp CBD. Uh, hemp has never been known to be the medical plant, first of all, because it lacks uh, a lot of the essential other compounds that makes it medicinal. But my concern is that um, in our testing of uh, hemp-derived CBD products out there in the world, there are concerning levels of toxins and heavy metals. You know, hemp was used for decades as a detoxifying plant. If you had a polluted farm field with toxic metals and toxins, you could scatter hemp seeds and grow hemp, and it would, it would pull heavy metals and toxins out of the soil. Mm. And so when you look at a country like China or Czech Republic that doesn't have good environmental protection policies, uh, my great concern is that the large and dominant supply of hemp CBD in the world that's filtering into our market, where, for example, producers are making hemp CBD products that are being promoted as medical products, they're actually importing probably dirty CBD products and infusing that into products. So... But you were saying that it's it's the CBD coming from a marijuana plant that's far more medical that's uh, correct. oriented. So that's correct. That's what they really should be using, right? Yes, yeah. So if it's, it's kind of a public service announcement to uh, <laughs> patients out there looking at CBD, is making sure you're asking for and questioning the product that you're 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 seeing in the, uh, the stores, the dispensaries that they are cannabis derived. Is there a place where people can go, um, either you know, reading a book or uh, the web, to know what do I buy? Mm -hmm. uh, 
Yes, there are there are resources. There are from very basic understanding. Uh, you can go to a site like Leafly.com. You can go to our website, GreenEarthMedicine.com, to get some education about cannabinoids and cannabis. Uh, there's the Society of Cannabis Clinicians, which I'm a member of and a research member of, uh, where we publish more uh, scholarly and scientific articles about cannabinoid research and human research with cannabis. Dr. Christian Lay, founder and medical director of Green Earth Medicine, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. And tonight we have Ashley Priest Sackett with us. She's co-owner and lead horticultural scientist of Cascadia Labs. She's here to speak to us about the new nonprofit organization, the Ethical Cannabis Alliance. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thanks for having me. So this is actually uh, pretty exciting, a nonprofit organization in the cannabis space. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about this organization? Yeah, it is exciting because there aren't very many, if, if any, nonprofits in the cannabis uh, industry at this point. And um, through uh, months and months of uh, educating myself on what certifying bodies should look like and comparing other agricultural industries and fair trade world industries to the cannabis industry, um, I have created um, space for communication around setting a standard for both labor environment um, and local community best practices so that our community has the op option to get a certification around that. So like fair trade? Fair trade cannabis. Fair trade cannabis. There are uh, literally, you know, a hundred different fair trade organizations. Some of them are national. Some of them are global. Um, so if you would think of possibly organic and fair trade smoosh together. Uh, that's in a nutshell what Ethical Cannabis Alliance would look like. Uh, there's way more dimension in that because our industry is so unique. Uh, so that's where we are in the process of setting the standards is gathering the community to uh, create this brand new standard using the wheel from other uh, nonprofit certifying bodies. Wow. So what kind of other organizations do you see uh, joining this alliance? So I've already put together a roundtable, and that includes uh, many uh, directors and coordinators from the agricultural world. Uh, an example is, the, uh, is the, the Agricultural Justice Project. Their executive director is going to be at the roundtable. Um, so a couple fair trade world people as well as Oregon Tilth uh, organic representatives uh, as well as some representatives from MAPS the Multidisciplinary Psychedelic Association. Uh, they also are, are really interested in what we're doing. So Ashley, can you uh, tell me about the mission of the Ethical Cannabis Alliance? Yeah, basically we would like to create a platform to educate both consumers and retail floor, aka bud tenders, how to differentiate products that they're ingesting and this is a, a way to look at a label, look at your product, and know that, in fact, what you're choosing to purchase is healthy for the environment, healthy for our local economy and labor, and healthy for you to ingest so that when a consumer goes in, on, into the retail uh, floor, a dispensary, they can differentiate products uh, by seeing the Ethical Cannabis logo and knowing that what they're purchasing uh, has been utilizing best, best practices. Well, that's really exciting. Um, can you uh, let us know if somebody wants to get involved? What can they do? Absolutely. They can um, go to our 
uh, website, which is Skim right now, since we are a startup nonprofit and we're all volunteers. But um, there's some information there. Uh, you can also email me, Ashley, at ethical-cannabis.org. So thank you so much for your time, Ashley. Awesome. Thank you, too. Well, I've got Trista Okel here from Empower Body Care. Welcome to the show, Trista. Thanks, Ed. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. Well, for starters, why don't you just uh, tell me a little bit about Empower Body Care? Great. Yes. So we have been in the Oregon cannabis industry since 2013 uh, on the shelves and dispensaries, and we make topical body care products for relief of a number of different conditions. And, and these things all have uh, cannabis in, in it? or Yes, they are, they are cannabis-infused. Okay. Is, is it, it actually, you, you rub the oil on your skin and it actually relieves pain? Yes, it does. That's not a claim we can legally make. <laughs> but okay. um, patients and clients who have been using the products, have, including myself, have, have all told us that it definitely works well for them. Are there other reasons why one would get a topical? Oh, for you? sure. Absolutely. Yes. Um, you can. They can be used to mitigate um, like anything from skin conditions from psoriasis to eczema to cold sores. It can be used to, to reduce inflammation. Uh, we've seen lots of different uses. We actually hear from people every week about different uses for the products. So it's my understanding that uh, you have some problems now with the cost of getting your product out. Yes. Yeah, that is mostly being caused by the new testing regulations and the prices the labs are charging for the testing. A test that used to be $100, uh, a full compliance test, with, which tested mold, mildew, pesticides, uh, residual solvents, and potency, used to cost like between $100 and $150, uh, now costs $3,500. My gosh. Yes. Well, and why would, why would the price jump so radically? That's a really good question. <laughs> is it is it the is it the is something about the state or is it something about the labs that are uh, charging this extra money? I believe that it is a combination of the two. Um, right now, there are only a handful of labs that are accredited by the OLCC and ORLAP and the OHA to do the testing, and that's allowing them to set monopoly prices. For instance, if one were to test two pounds of cannabis concentrate. Uh, before, they would take a, a one to two gram sample um, from a number of different places within the, the mass of product and test that. Now, they're having to test, or they say they're having to test 10 two gram samples, which 20 grams of, of product um, makes 240 bottles of my oil. Wow. So uh, not only is the price higher, but it's taken more of the material that you need. It has, yeah. yes. And and the bottom line for me is that it's taking it out of the hands of patients, and yeah. that's not acceptable. So, Trista, you're, you're not the only company that's having problems with these crazy lab costs. No, there are hundreds of, of small businesses, Oregon-grown small businesses here in, in Oregon that are going out of business right now. And, and they're doing the same kind of products that you're doing? or Yeah, some of them are topical companies, but many extract companies, edible companies, are 
all shuttered right now. Edibles are affected as well? Oh, edibles are actually affected, I believe, worse than we are. So so we're going to be looking at uh, $50 and $100 brownies here pretty soon, is that right? Yes, at very low doses. (laughs) Well, I sure hope that... uh, Somehow, legally, you can figure things out with uh, the Oregon laws so that you're able to bring these products at a reasonable price to the public. Me too. And I I definitely believe that we will survive and excel (laughs) in this this environment. Uh, And right now, what it's going to take is reasonable regulation and um, everybody doing everything they can to lobby for reasonable regulation on cannabis products. If uh, anybody, any of our listeners want to know how to find out more about your products, I assume there's a website they can go to. Absolutely. It's empowerbodycare.com. Trista Okel, thanks so much for coming in and talking. Thank you so much, Ed. I appreciate it. Well, I've got Damian Payne here in the studio with me, co-founder of FireSale. Welcome to the show, Damian. Thank you for having us. Well, you're going to have to tell us what is FireSale. FireSale is a, uh, a web-based app that allows you to find the best deals on cannabis in real time in a dispensary near you. So uh, we created this to uh, give uh, consumers and, and patients the uh, best deal that they can find. Is this a, a phone app or any just an app? Uh, that works in any computer? It will be um, phone, iOS system. It will also be uh, web-based and on the uh, Android system as well. This is for dispensaries to push through the the hottest deals or the, the best strains uh, for the consumers to find. So it's very, very um, isolated that it's one or two uh, particular deals that are going to be pushed out uh, to, to the hundreds of thousands of users to be able for the users to find them and find those deals that best best fit them. So it doesn't necessarily really cover all of the vendors in a city, really, right? Exactly, no. This this is more for a, a dispensary to utilize fire sale as a way to help get rid of some of the products that they have left over uh, to capture new consumers, new patients, um, and to help advertise except for the, the pay-to-play, the newspaper, the weeklies. Um, this is just another tool for them to use to be able to help to get out. And now on the patient side, they're going to be able to have a lot of push notifications and, and set up. So if they're looking for a particular strain or they're looking for a potential THC content or they're looking for uh, a certain deal in general that's no, to, near them, it would be notified. They'd be push notified so they could be able to find that. So is this some kind of a subscription thing where people pay so much to kind of be a part of that? Yeah, so the dispensaries will pay a small monthly fee to be able to advertise, which will be able to push their deals through uh, to the consumers. The consumers, it's a free download. They'll be able to use it for free. Anytime they reserve the right to grab that, that deal, that fire sale, it will cost them a credit, and credits cost a dollar. So if you or saving 15 to 50% on products, and you use a credit to grab that deal, that will give you 24 hours to go to the dispensary and pick it up. And once again, the name of the app is FireSale? FireSale, yep. And the actual URL for that is? FireXSale.com. So F-I-R-E-X-S-A-L-E.com. Damian Payne, thanks for coming in. Oh, thanks for having us. Talk to you soon. 
Well, Amy, it's been quite a month, and next month is going to probably be the same. Well, it has been a very exciting month, and I can't even believe it's the end of the year already. All right, Amy. Until next month, on the fourth Friday, I'm Amy Paradotta. And I'm Ed Melnick, wishing you all the best. 